Morning Teacher. I'm Noelle Pickering. On the Good Morning Teacher podcast, we bring practical solutions to busy teachers because you can love your job and leave your work at school. Join us each week to talk through tools and strategies that help you maximize your time and effort both in the classroom and at home. I'm excited to cheer you on as you face the week ahead. morning, teachers. You're listening to episode number eight. Last week on episode seven, we talked about how we can give more feedback and grade less. If you haven't checked it out, you can do so in your favorite podcasting app or by going to maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode seven. Today, I am very excited to have our first interviewee on the show. We are chatting about the grid method with the creator, Chad Ostrowski. If you aren't familiar with it, the GRID method is a competency-based framework that works with any existing curriculum. One thing that I love is it was created by a classroom teacher with the goal of reaching all students. Plus, it can be applied to any subject matter. If after listening to the show, you're interested in learning more about the GRID method, there is a free mini course that Chad is offering, and he's also giving our listeners 25% off of the paid course using the coupon code GOODMORNINGTEACHER. All the details can be found at maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode eight. So let's do this. I am so excited to have the creator of The Grid Method himself, Chad Ostrowski, here on the show. Chad, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. I'm excited to be here, Noel. Awesome. Well, Chad, I, um, I want you to know more about The Grid Method. So for those of you who are listeners who are unfamiliar with this like really outstanding method. Can you just give us a quick overview of it? Yeah, absolutely. So the grid method is a self-paced mastery framework that helps teachers kind of break up their curriculum into small bite-sized chunks that are tiered and scaffolded so that students can work through a mastery-based learning pathway um, at their own pace. So it really helps teachers facilitate learning with students so that they can learn, grow, and progress at their own pace while um, their progress monitoring, able to provide intervention, and embedding some of that really powerful formative assessment and feedback practices that it's going to increase student growth. Um, so um, I show teachers how to make grids, how to implement grids, and things like that. Um, and we've seen uh, amazing results uh, you know, across the country, which is exciting. Yeah. Tell me more about what led you to this like path of developing the grid method. Absolutely. So I was actually a a middle school teacher and I was in a seventh grade science classroom and I had been moved to a brand new school with two first year principals trying to build a brand new school with a 50% of a student population who could care less because they didn't fill out the paperwork to actually be there. So it was a high needs, inner city, 100% economically disadvantaged school, um, which I was used to teaching in. That's where I spent my entire career. But this year was different. It was the hardest year of my entire life. I almost quit teaching. I was burnt out. I was done. None of the tricks that I was had done in the past were working. And so at the end of this year, I really sort of did some soul searching about myself as a teacher how I was doing this in the classroom. And I really had to reinvent how I taught and how I 
um, sort of wanted to meet the needs of my students because the way I was doing it, even though I was using things like PBL and inquiry and all of these mm -hmm. great tools that I'd been trained on, they just weren't working. So the idea of sort of self-paced learning and mastery learning to increase the ownership of my students, to increase the buy-in and engagement, to reach those students where they're at and kind of bring them along with me was really enticing. So I started doing some research into mastery learning. Okay, and that was—that's what I wanted you to elaborate on. I'm glad you're—I'm glad you're jumping in there. And, and 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 so mastery learning is not a new idea. It's actually been around since like the 1960s, and. Um, there's a lot of established research, but I needed a way to implement these best practices with my students in my middle school classroom that were high needs, some multiple grade levels behind in reading. So I created what we now call the grid method, and I started breaking down my curriculum into these smaller chunks in these mastery pathways. And as I started doing this, my students started getting more engaged they started learning more. They started doing more for me than they ever had before. They started to get more excited about learning in the classroom because I was turning over a lot of that control that we try to keep as teachers. So they were able to feel that ownership and feel that success. And they really started thriving in my classroom. So much so that other teachers would start like asking me, like, how did you get that kid to work? Or how did you, you know, yeah. how, how did you get that score out of that kid on, 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 that, on that quiz that you gave or, you know, whatever that was. Right. Don't we always want to like, when we hear something's working, we're like, okay, what are you doing? Right. I want, I want that yeah. to work in my classroom too. Um, so back to that, like idea of student mastery, that, that can be a lot, very different than what, um, you know, some schools traditionally are looking for, like we mm -hmm. say mastery, but actually keeping them from moving on until they have developed mm -hmm. mastery. What does that like look like when it comes to the grade method or an example yeah. in your classroom? So, so what makes the grid method so effective is that I think it solves a fundamental problem with a traditional classroom. We've all taught for like, let's say five day cycle, right? So you teach for five days and then you give a quiz on Friday and you go, oh my gosh, that student was lost after the first lesson and they've literally been getting more lost every single day because they didn't understand day one. Mm -hmm. So what the grid method does is it, it could take essentially that same five day um, cycle of experiences and learning opportunities that that student has. But if they didn't understand that first step, they're going to stay at that first step until they show a basic level, which is normally 80 to 85 percent mastery before they're moving on to the next step. So we're basically, as teachers, really assessing for readiness to continue learning. Because the worst thing we can do is move outside, I'm gonna use like a, a educational term here, their zone of proximal development, right? From Vygotsky. Yeah. And as soon as you get out of that zone of proximal development, they start floundering and, and they can't necessarily um, learn anymore because you're you're above their ability to cognitively understand the current information they're receiving. So what the grid does very well, I think, is really keep students right in that zone of proximal development where they're supposed to be and they're learning at their maximum potential more often. So that means more students are learning more, even if it's at different paces than their peers. Yeah, no, and that is a big shift because you're right. We kind of plan for a certain cycle and we try and keep everyone on sure. the same pace. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that will be helpful for listeners to just kind of think about that in their own classroom. 
So I, I told you before the call, but I first heard about you in our Maneuvering the Middle Facebook group. And as teachers were sharing this summer about developing grids, they were actually showing like, here's a grid that I did using yeah. these re using our Maneuvering the Middle resources. And it really piqued my interest. And so I know right now teachers are pretty maxed out, right? Like, um, sure. can you elaborate a little bit more that on how the grid method really fits with any curriculum you're using? Like you're not asking anyone to develop new resources. Like right. can you elaborate on that piece? Absolutely. And, and to your point, you know, I, I, I actually now, um, I'm the CEO of the teach better team and we, we literally train schools and districts on how to do this. And, um, I literally talk to teachers and administrators more, more importantly, that are like, my teachers are maxed out. They're mm -hmm. completely stressed out right now. And I'll usually tell them, I was like, let me show them this idea. And, and, and then we can see if they want more information. And a lot of times the administrators will go, I don't know, they're really stressed out. And then like 80% of the staff will go, I need this like right now, because it's such a practical solution for the time that we're in and for the time that we will be in, in spring and August as kids sure. start returning to schools. So, um, to your point though, the, this is an instructional planning framework and an instructional execution framework. Mm -hmm. What goes into the framework is up to the educator. So for example, if you love PBLs and projects, you can put projects into a grid. If you love reading workshops and writing workshops and you're an ELA teacher, you can put those into the grid. So the grid really facilitates um, whatever curriculum you might have. I've even worked with a lot of, and as teachers, we know, sometimes we get handed a curriculum and they say, go, right. Sure, I've sure. even worked with enhancing existing curriculums, um, enhancing existing curriculums with, um, um, the mastery framework embedded on top. So now you're still using those those required resources, mm -hmm. but it's meeting the needs of the students more effectively because the instruction and the pedagogy on top is more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a, a shift in what we're used to. Sometimes when, you know, something new is presented as teachers, mm -hmm. it's typically a new curriculum or a new, um, now we're going to do PBLs or now we're going to do right. X, Y, Z, you know, insert thing. And I think that, you know, for teachers to be really effective, we have to kind of have some consistency. And so if we're always trying to shift the curriculum, like that makes it more difficult. But I like the idea that you can take something that is existing and change the way the instruction is being delivered and presented to students um, right. using the grid. That's really and, cool. And, and that's a huge investment benefit too, because as a teacher, you invest a lot of time and energy into instruction and pedagogy in, in, in these types of frameworks. So the fact that you can get a new set of standards from the state or a new curriculum or a new initiative from your district and still continue to do this in your classroom becomes really valuable from the teacher standpoint, from the school standpoint, or from the district standpoint. Um, so I, I think that absolutely increases, um, you know, the, the value of you know, something I say often is that good pedagogy doesn't change, right? Mm -hmm, like what mm -hmm. now we learn new practices, we learn sure, how to sure. innovate, but like best practices in education will all will usually always be best practices in education. So something I feel like the grid method does a good job of is it takes this 
huge swath of those best practices, whether it's differentiation, whether it's self-paced and mastery learning, whether it's formative assessment, Mm -hmm. whether it's personalized learning, competency-based learning, standards-based grading and feedback, like all of these buzzwords that we always hear about, teachers get PD on these all the time, but they never see what they should look like in an actual classroom. So I feel like when I show a teacher, this is the grid method. And by the way, if you're doing this with fidelity, all of these other things that you've heard about are happening every single day. Yes, yes. I think that's a really just a nice way for things to kind of come together and you can see all the different pieces, but it's on it's in one like nice package Mm -hmm. that allows you to like follow and just push your students to do their very best. And I love the engagement that you mentioned. So I want to do, I want to follow up on that. Um, These learning opportunities on the grid allow students to move at their own pace. Um, But for many teachers, that may be very different than what they're accustomed to. And I, I know someone that's listening is probably thinking about management, right? So how did you manage students who maybe weren't self-starters and what did you put in place or what have you seen other teachers put in place like classroom management wise? Absolutely. So this is a huge component of when we train teachers how to do this, right? There's sort of like, it's a twofold process. You have to show them how to plan the curriculum and make the grid, right? And that's more of like the planning, the instruction curriculum piece. Mm-hmm. But then there's the execution and the physical management of students being at multiple places and, and just the especially at the middle level, I'm going to say this because from my experience, like managing classrooms is like almost your first job some days, right? Um, (laughs) Like Wong and Wong, first days of school, (laughs) structure, routines, systems, right? So um, this is a huge component of, of the grid method. So once you have the grid in place, you want to be able to progress monitor your students. So we show teachers how to have a whole tracking sheet where they know where every student's at on that grid on a given day. We also show students or show teachers how to monitor students and provide intervention. So if I'm looking at my monitoring sheet and I go, listen, these three kids are a day behind where they should be. I can now pull them. Mm -hmm. I can now pull them in a small group and do some intensive intervention for the first 10 minutes of my classroom. Um, we also show teachers how to address student needs with like a triage system. Okay. So if kids are all working at their own pace, you look out into the sea of children and see 14 hands up in the air. Right. You don't necessarily know who wants your attention or needs your attention more because three kids forgot how to log into Google Classroom. <laughs> one of them needs to go to the bathroom and the other one just forgot the date that's been written on the board in the same place all year, right? right? So, and then this other kid who you go to last has really needed your help for now five or six minutes. Yeah. So we show teachers how to use a color-coded system with cups or um, like a signaling system so that right. I can look at my whole room. I know who needs help, what they're working on, where they're at, so I can address my students' needs in real time. We also show teachers how to effectively assess students quickly Mm -hmm. and in a targeted way. So a lot of times, as you can imagine, if I told you, guess what? Every time a student finishes a box on this grid, you have to assess them in the middle of class while everyone else is going on. And sometimes that's scary for teachers because they're like, am I going to have giant stacks of papers and grading to do? Well, here's the truth. If you do it effectively, quickly, and in a targeted way and you know what the information is you're looking for, 
You don't have to grade that whole packet. Maybe you're only asking two or three questions that tell you if the student understands the concept they were supposed to learn, which is once again, the power of mastery. It's about those takeaways, those objectives that you want those students to master. It's not about them completing three pages. It's about them. What do you want them to take away from those three pages or whatever that activity might be? Right, right. Yeah. And I, I'm, you know, a lot of our audience is math teachers. And I think that is so important in math because we can see a kid get behind in right? like a mere few oh, minutes. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, it, it happens really quick. And so um, if we're waiting for the end of a unit or for a quiz on a Friday or whatever it is, like that um, is not only frustrating for us because we find out, oh, I have all these kids that are behind, but that's frustrating for the student as well. Like talk about not feeling successful or really lacking confidence. Like if we can give immediate feedback and really assess in a short time frame for mastery, then we've also like a minimized, not minimized is the wrong word, but we've chunked our lessons and our content in such a way that kids can feel more successful because they are, you know, showing mastery on smaller chunks and then moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're, you're negating the formation of gaps in those larger spans of learning, right? So even I would argue, even if you take a 45 minute lesson that you provide students within that 45 minutes, students are going to stop understanding what's going on at certain points. So at the end of even like a 45 minute or a 60 minute class period, if you're doing a more traditional direct instruction or lecture based class, Mm -hmm. You could have a student that gets lost after five minutes, but another student gets lost after 20 minutes and another student gets lost after 30 minutes. And now you're giving them, you're saying, okay, now go do some practice or what have you. And you have three different areas that students are in. And this is truly what's naturally being addressed with self-paced and mastery learning. Sure. So um, uh, instead of having to deliver that 45 minute lesson, you're either creating videos or turning it into a 15 minute mini lesson every single day. Um, as opposed to the teacher being the primary deliverer of like learning. Something I often ask is, you know, are students active in your classroom or are are, are they passive? Because active students learn more. And that's what all the research says, right? Right, right. Oh, Chad, I have really enjoyed this conversation with you. And I know that this is going to be really beneficial for our teachers. um, And I love how it applies to so many grade levels. Tell us a little bit more about how our listeners can connect with you and learn more about the grid method. So you can follow me on social at Chad Ostrowski, um, just first name, last name, or you can follow the Teach Better team, which is at Teach Better team on all social media platforms. You can get more information at www.teachbetter.com as well. We have a ton of free resources and downloads and um other podcasts we can we can listen to and blog posts, tons of free content for teachers um, so that they can be better every single day. Awesome. Thanks, Chad. I appreciate it. Have a Thank great you. day. You too. Thanks for listening. I really enjoyed getting to chat with Chad and learn more about the grid method. If you don't want to miss future episodes, please take a minute to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you're tuning in. Our Maneuvering the Middle team is really loving this new format, and we are hopeful that these ideas can spur you on as you do the good work in your classroom. Your downloads, rating, and general enthusiasm help us keep going. For all of the links, resources, 
freebies that Chad and I talked about um, in one easy place, check out maneuveringthemiddle.com slash episode eight. I'm Noelle Pickering, and you've been listening to the Good Morning Teacher Podcast. Until next time, friends, make it a great week.